a need and want for friends kind of mm-hmm. put me in situations where I didn't have true friends. Okay. It was a very intense, fun, and toxic relationship. Okay. Um, and it impacted me in a lot of ways I'm still healing from. Okay. But it brought to the light a lot of things that I could work on too. So I'm grateful for the experience that I had um, in that relationship. Sorry. You okay? Yeah, I need a second. You okay. Ooh. Hey, Hey, babies. Welcome back to another episode of Talk to Me, Kitty. I am your host, Kitty Rose. And today we have a beautiful guest. She is an advocate for mental stability. She goes by the name of Kay Foy, and she is the host of Stable Minds. Ladies and gentlemen, Kay Foy. Hey. Hey, sweetie. Thank you so much for the introduction, Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> How are you feeling today, baby? Um, I'm feeling good. Um. Yeah. I'm very comfortable right now because I love the studio. It's so cute and beautiful and like it smells so good (laughs) in here. So I'm very comfortable and I'm happy to be here and be able to like tell my story and hopefully it helps somebody else. Come on. I love that. So tell me what got you into helping people create mental stability or get to that place of mental stability. Um, so I've been on like a journey of Mm -hmm. figuring out what tools can I put in my toolkit to maintain my mental health since 2020. Um, and it started because I grew up the only child and I grew up with my mom, but my dad, he was like kind of in and out and Mm -hmm. stuff. And it left a lot of trauma that I didn't really understand. And then when I went to college, I graduated from Tuskegee University. Come on. Um, when I went to college, I realized my senior year it was like something that wasn't right because uh-huh. I had everything going for myself. Like I had an internship with a full-time role guaranteed. Mm. I was on the board of trustees at my school and Come I had friends galore, you know, <laughs> I, and I couldn't understand why was I sad and why did I feel so empty? Um, but then once I graduated, my dad, he died. Okay. And so then I moved because I'm originally from Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. I moved to New Jersey miles away from my family the day after his mm-hmm. funeral. And so I had a lot of emotions from my childhood, emotions still from that were unanswered from college. Then my dad had died and I made this big transition of a move. Um, And so I went to the doctor when I was in New Jersey and you know how they do like the screenings? She asked me a simple question. I just started bawling, crying in the um, hospital. And I didn't understand what was going on. She was like, well, yeah, I would definitely say that you probably have like depression. You should go talk to a therapist. And so when I left New Jersey, because I was in a rotation program with my job, Mm -hmm. I moved to Florida and it was 2020. And I was determined to be better and be different. (laughs) So I immediately went on like Black Girls Do Therapy and found me a Black therapist. Come on. And learned more about myself, learned more about my values, learned about some coping mechanisms. And then I started getting into like my physical health too. Mm -hmm. I started practicing yoga. I got a personal trainer, started journaling, started getting closer with God. Come on. And so that's what the whole idea of getting grounded in my mental health, because I realized how important it was because right. your mental health plays a part in your physical health mm-hmm. as well. And I was show, seeing that show up in ways we can like headaches yep. and just feeling tired and sluggish mm-hmm. and just not being my best self. And so, I wanted to be better. So tell me, okay, so let, let's travel through, let's go through the journey right I now. I dropped a lot. Uh, no, no, no. That was beautiful. Don't you okay. worry about that. No, that because we, I want to know what led you to this place. And that's important because our experiences always shape us. So I wanted to know that because I think what you're doing is beautiful. So tell me about, bring me up from childhood. Let's walk through. And because I hear you're, you're, you're kind of referencing some things in your childhood, but let's highlight those things because I want to know even because before, and those are your formative years, childhood, and then we're going into teen, adolescence, adulthood, early adulthood, right. and you're still being molded. So walk me through how it was in home. You said you come from a single parent household, right? That was kind of in and out. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Um, yeah. So I grew up with my mom. She was a single parent, but she had a village. My mom couldn't have did it alone. Mm-hmm. So I had all of my grandparents. I had my great parents, my great granddad. He's still in my life today. Um, so I grew up with my mom and she was wonderful. Like my mom, she had her own struggles, of course. And now that I'm mm-hmm. an adult, I understand her and her story. Mm-hmm. So it helps me to have grace. From my experiences right. as a kid. Um, 
But she made sure, and one thing that I can really take away from my childhood, there were moments of struggle, but at the end of the day, one thing that's in my core values to always dream. Mm-hmm. And my mom, she also, like, looking back, she implemented, like, mental health before it was, like, a thing. Mm-hmm. My mom would let me take days off from school. Come on, Like, mom. if I was having... You need those mental health days. Exactly. So my mom gave me mental health days before it was a thing. And you know how some black parents are like, stay in the child's place, don't be talking back and stuff. Mm. My mom was the opposite. That's it. Mm -hmm. She would let me speak my piece because when I was a teenager, like me and my mom went back and forth. Mm -hmm. But that in itself is kind of beautiful because most parents would shut that down. Like, who are you talking to? And not saying she didn't have a rebuttal. She did, but I still had the freedom to speak Mm -hmm. my mind. So that was a beautiful thing. And I'm super grateful and thankful for that. Um, but yeah, it was very difficult not having my dad because like I did have the village, but not having my dad was still like mm-hmm. an empty space. Mm-hmm. And like his mom and his sister, they were still in my life and like really providing as well. Like I spent so much time with my grandma and my TT too, mm-hmm. but not having my dad did leave a blank space. And then when he would come, he was very rude um, and left like, Scars Mm -hmm. that I didn't realize were scars Mm -hmm. until I got a little older. So that was like elementary and middle school. And then high school. And I feel like um, because of my experience with my dad, I always felt like I was having something to prove. So I've always been an overachiever. Come on. Um, So after elementary and middle school, I went to high school and I chose to go um, to this really advanced high school Mm -hmm. where you're on a curriculum of like kids in Europe. Yeah. And I came from an elementary middle school that was below standard. Mm -hmm. But my mom was heavily involved in the school. So I rose above the standards. But the background that I received, the education I received at the time, didn't match what I was going into. So Mm -hmm. I struggled. That was my first time experiencing failure. Like Mm -hmm. I graduated middle school at the top of my class. And when I got to high school, I made my first elf. Okay. (laughs) And so I was really um, depressed during that time because. That was my first time experiencing like anxiety, like about tests and staying up late at Mm -hmm. night, not getting proper sleep. And that's when mama really started implementing those mental health days. And so she allowed me to quit that school Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it just wasn't working out. I gave it my best shot for two years and then I chose to go to a regular school, but I still did like AP and like enrolled in like the Mm -hmm. finance academy. And like during that time, I was able to realize like, I'm really interested in financial health, too, because (laughs) as a kid, we didn't have a whole lot of money. But my mama did the best with what she got. And the family helped out, too. But I realized in high school, there's so much I can do. Like, I was introduced to accounting um, by my teacher, Mr. Johnson. And so, like, that made me just, like, completely interested in finance completely. Because he was saying accounting was, like, the language of business. Mm -hmm. So, I was, okay, there's all this opportunity and Mm -hmm. money. Like, let me study accounting. Mm -hmm. And so, that gave me a goalpost. And so, I chose accounting. I chose to go to Tuskegee. Um, When I got to Tuskegee, it was full throttle. I had a goal. I had a mission. I am graduating with a job. I'm going to get this degree. And I started a business while I was there, too. Um, Because entrepreneurship has always just been a part of me and Mm -hmm. ingrained in me. Because, like, as soon as I was of age to work, I went and got a job. Right. But I also did, like, hair and stuff, too, in high school. Okay. So when I got to college and I was going to an HBCU, I set up shop in my mm-hmm. dorm room. And by the time I graduated, I had started Hair by Kayla. Um, it was a custom wig brand, and I sold extensions as well. Mm-hmm. And I carried that on until 2020 when COVID happened because yeah. it was a lot of—it um, it was very difficult— to receive the goods from like right. China at the time because everything shut down. Exactly. Shut down a little more. So <laughs> I took a lot of time to reflect and then I realized that I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and it was really difficult for me to come to that conclusion because I had done that since high school. But what I realized is that it wasn't really creating the units. That was the most fun for me because I did a really good job. Like all the girls mm-hmm. on campus love my hair and they still have those wigs today. Mm-hmm. But what I missed was the interaction with people. Gotcha. And so it just didn't serve me anymore. And it took a lot of soul searching, journaling and reading books to come to that conclusion, like to give up on it. But I knew I still had like an entrepreneurship spirit. And so I finished here by Kayla and I was working my full time job because when I graduated Tuskegee, I started working for a company and I was in a rotation program. So every six months for two years, I would move geographically Mm -hmm. as well as functionally throughout the company. 
And so I got all this experience in finance. And then I realized after two years, I was working internal audit. I don't want to do finance anymore. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Like, it's not serving me. I want to be with mm-hmm. people. I want to help people. I want to do something that's focused on people. And so um, once that happened, I made the decision to find a way, make a way, and connect myself with people that could get me to where I wanted to be. Right. And so that's when I found my job in HR now. Okay. And I love it because now I am a university relations lead. So I get to connect students with jobs and tell my story about how I started as an intern. And now I'm doing this. And I mm. got this huge skill set from the company that I can utilize in all these different ways. And like, you can do it too. So let me ask you then, because I, I hear a couple of things that I noticed. You used to be a perfectionist? And difficult is like, yes and no. Okay. I feel like I'm balanced in that way. Um, because you balanced I, now or were you ba- always balanced? Balanced now. I wasn't always balanced. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't always Because I'm like, you done done therapy. So it, it's different now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, so did mom like encourage you to excel in school and stuff like that? She didn't really have to. Okay. Like that was just naturally you. Yeah. That okay. was just like in there. And my mama said all the time, like, you were such an easy kid and mm-hmm. stuff. But it was like life kind of forced me mm-hmm. to be easy and like care for myself in a way and like be my best. Do you feel that in any sense, do you feel like your worth was attached to your achievements and how sure. you could when did you when do you feel like you grew out of that? Because I'm hearing how it was like even if you were a perfectionist. Even going to a school where you couldn't excel like you usually do and you're seeing other people can make you feel like you're a failure in a sense. And that can take a really hard tug at your esteem and your self-worth, especially when your self-worth is tied to those things, to your accolades, accomplishments, successes, and things like that. When you felt like you were failing in that school, what happened to you mentally? I heard you say your mom gave you mental health days. But if you can recall, what happened to you mentally? I heard the emotional side. Or was it uh, anxiety, anxiety and things like that? Yeah. So mentally, what happened to you? And this can be shown like how you interact with people, the things that you tell yourself, your negative self-talk. What was that process like when you felt like you were failing in that moment? When I felt like I was failing, so I was failing at school, I just felt like a complete failure. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I couldn't do anything right. My hope for the future was kind of bleak mm-hmm. um, because I put so much emphasis on education. Okay. Because like my mom didn't have to push me to be great at school, but she always did tell me like education is like mm-hmm. your way mm-hmm. out. Um, so it caused me a lot of anxiety. I was always worried about what was next, worried about the future, worried about how I can yeah. get where I want to go. Um, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I had a coping skill mm-hmm. and that was to write out my goals. Mm-hmm. I thought I was just trying to create a life, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize that's a coping skill, like creating mm-hmm. goals. Because it makes the dreams, the goals, the anxiety decrease because there's a plan written out that I can see. Yeah, it copes with that sense of failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sense of failure or that sense of not succeeding. It's like, I can do it. I can see it. Because mm-hmm. once I can see something, I feel like I can do it. Mm-hmm. Like. Nothing is going to stop me but me unless God doesn't want me to have it. So you pretty much would compensate. So that was compensatory, pretty much a compensatory action of yours. You felt like with how you felt about yourself, you can compensate by creating those goals, constantly doing things, constantly trying to find ways to be successful or just achieving at something. It'd be the smallest thing. As long as you see that you're good at it, Mm -hmm. it compensates for those negative beliefs that you do have about yourself. Or those feelings that you have about yourself. So that was you. Were, that's what you were using. Do you still do it now? Not as extreme. <laughs> the silence was kind of telling. <laughs> I feel like I do, mm-hmm. but I don't get anxiety behind it. I'm not afraid of failure now. Good. Like good. Because you learn from failure. Mm-hmm. You know, like so. That's the mind switch that I have now. I'm not afraid of failing. Mm-hmm. I'll try anything once. I'm gonna have I'm gonna try to calculate it, you know, <laughs> but I will try it. And if I fail, I fail. I learned something. And that's something my great granddaddy keeps telling me, like, you know, like 101, like you're gonna learn stuff for life 102. So yeah. So how was your friendships in school and middle school, things like that that you can remember? Middle school, high school, what type of friendships did you develop? Did were did, were you like a social person? Were you included, excluded? Mm-hmm. I've always been a very social person, mm-hmm. but 
and I'm also the only child. Mm -hmm. So I've always been a social person because I always wanted to have friends. So like in middle school, I had some true friends, but a lot of times I experienced hot and cold friendships Mm -hmm. like as a kid. And so that really made me not trust Mm -hmm. people anymore. Um, And so when I went to high school and being that I went from a primarily black Mm -hmm. elementary middle school, I was with the same people from K through eight. Okay. So now a high school that's extremely diverse, um, more diverse than like diverse in the fact that like it was maybe 10 Mm -hmm. black students out of like 100. Okay. That's really small in comparison to where Mm -hmm. I came from. And so I felt inadequate in that way because of where I came from, the the background, as well as like how much these kids knew and how how much like access to resources they had. Mm-hmm. So I was on the fence going to high school. Right. Plus I had the experience of like friendships being hot and cold in mm-hmm. middle school. So when I got to high school, I wasn't really interested and as open as I could have been. Okay. And then I was stressed as a high school those mm-hmm. two years. But once I got out of the stressful environment and I did make friends, but I also experienced the pattern of like hot and cold friendships mm-hmm. still. But once I got out of the stressful environment, then I was able to form more authentic, genuine friendships. And these are friends that I still have today. Um, So I've always been a social person, but I wasn't as vulnerable and open Mm -hmm. at that time. And I feel like in order to make genuine friendships, you do have to be comfortable with opening up and be inquisitive about other people and Mm -hmm. have discernment, too. Right. Because people will show you one way mm-hmm. and it'd be a completely different thing if you're not like really paying attention especially if you like thirsty for friendship and mm-hmm. thirsty for connection do you feel like because I'm, I'm hearing the hot and cold nature of your friendships and i hear where there was a moment of time where you wanted that acceptance you wanted to fit in almost in a sense and then your dad was hot and cold as well mm-hmm. so you were already kind of used to that rejection and that lack of acceptance from a father figure do you feel like if you had your father, who if he was more present, that do you feel like you probably would have did the same things or probably looked for that acceptance mm-hmm. in school? Because I know peer settings are different. Yeah. Most times we do want to form that social group, but I know that sometimes a lack of a caregiver or a parent can intensify the needs that we have. Do you feel like it would have been different if dad was present? I do feel like it would have been different. Would it have been different in a better way? I don't know it would have been different. I, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how it would be different, but it would be different because that's just a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. That's a good question. I do feel like it would have been different if he was there. Um, but I don't know if it would have shown up differently in my friendships because those were like with women. And I kind of base the way I have friendships mm-hmm. off of the friendships that I've seen in my life, too. Mm-hmm. But it's also interesting because I'm extremely opposite of my family. Like, I give people so many chances. And my family give people chances, too. But my God, God, that's what I call my grandma and my mama. They both mm-hmm. will. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you're not done yet. Like, I can emphasize. Like, no, you know. So would it have been different? Potentially. I don't know. I've never sat and, like, wondered how having him in my life would have impacted mm-hmm. friendships. And they did not have wondered that. I wondered, like, would it have been different? I, I know that sometimes... Uh, because even if it's uh, female friendships, the belief system that you develop over time from that lack of consistency from your parents can always influence your attitude even towards friendships and all themes of your life, towards mm-hmm. friendships, intimate relationships, professional business relationships, because of the way you see yourself. When you were younger, that's lack of presence made you question yourself. The idea, the perception that you had of yourself was altered because of that lack of presence. I would say mom did a great job by allowing you to, even what she did was allow you to set boundaries. Even as a mm-hmm. child, you were able to be vocal. Most children cannot do that. Yeah. You were able to say, hey, I, I don't really like that. And even if you got the pushback, she still allowed you to have a voice. So mom did, from what I hear, I don't know you in her relationship, but that's an incredible piece of parenting. For sure, because, yeah, it works really well with you because you don't have a problem with saying, well, this is what I want to do. You don't have a problem with pursuing and things like that. She did a good job. That lack thereof definitely affected your self-worth in some type of sense. I'm sure you developed some type of feeling about yourself, and I'm sure you had questions as a child. It always shows up in the relationships after. Mm -hmm. It always shows up, even if you're not thinking that it does, subconsciously. 
it's there. You're going to make certain attempts to fill those voids that are there. It probably did. It probably showed up a little bit. It definitely did. probably did. Showed up a little bit. I do want to know how it showed up in your relationships, though. Mm-hmm. It showed up in my relationships by me sticking around mm-hmm. for things that didn't serve me and like mm-hmm. taking put downs and like accepting people being hot and cold with me, too. Yep. And not really matching mm-hmm. what I bring to like the earth yeah. <laughs> and the experience that we have here on this earth. And not like just in a material sense, but also. Like, I come from a very loving and nurturing family. Mm -hmm. So, like, you would expect somebody that comes from that type of background to go out and search and find someone that has a similar background. Right. But I found myself in relationships where people are really closed off. Mm -hmm. And instead of me just saying, okay, we don't really mesh well here, I try to help you be that way. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can't help someone that doesn't want to be helped. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I would take on people who are like that because I can... I see the good in them. Right. And I feel like in a way I was trying to prove myself and reenact in the relationship mm-hmm. that I did have my dad. I definitely see the similarities there. That the people, okay. So tell me about your most impactful romantic relationship. The one that you know, this either affected you in a good way or a bad way. Healthy, I don't even want to say healthy, positive or negative way. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that relationship. That relationship would be my um, last relationship. Mm-hmm. It was a very intense, fun, and toxic relationship. Okay. Um, and it impacted me in a lot of ways that I'm still healing from. Okay. But it brought to the light a lot of things that I could work on, too. Okay. So I'm grateful for the experience that I had um, in that relationship. You okay? Yeah, I need a second. Okay. Okay. So, um, yeah, in that relationship, I was like, I felt like I was head over heels in love Mm -hmm. um, because it was so much fun. Like, it started out really cool. I thought we were, like, completely meshed well in the fact that we both were ambitious. We both had families that I thought were, like, loving. Um, We both loved to travel, both, like, educated from like HBCUs because I don't know that just does something for me when you like are for your people in that way you know (laughs) so like we were both in that way but like as I got to know him more and I was interested by him but as I got to know him more I noticed that he was selfish Mm -hmm. I noticed that he was very condescending manipulating and Mm -hmm. would put me down yes and would Mm -hmm. just kill my self-esteem and I came to that relationship like better than ever because I had been in therapy and I was really working on myself and yeah. like my self-esteem and my image of myself was high was so high it was, it was the it was, highest right. it had ever been right. and so I went into that relationship at my best the best that I had seen yet do you feel like that right there was too much for him seeing you that high up because if I'm hearing that he's condescending yeah it was he, but it's like it didn't start out that way how did it start out? It started did he out seem amazing. like he really liked that about you? The confidence and things like that about you? Mm-hmm. Was he doing pretty well in his own life mm-hmm. at the beginning? He was. Hmm. And he was still doing like fairly well for himself too. And that was the most, I want to say mature, but that's not really the word that I want to mm-hmm. use because it was some very immature moments in there. But mm-hmm. that was the longest relationship that I went the furthest in. Right. Like we had moved in together and stuff, um, met each other's families, had went mm-hmm. on all these vacations and stuff together. And it was beautiful. Right. But um, I know now, like in retrospect, that was just some things that he needed to work on with himself and like accepting himself as who he is and like things that have happened to him. Mm-hmm. And there were things that I needed to work on. And I got to the point where I was so invested in the relationship right. that I was willing to accept it all basically mm-hmm. because I loved him mm-hmm. and I saw the good in him and I was holding on to the moments that we previously had. Um, and I was kind of letting the past overcompensate for what was presently going on because he was just very mean to me. When did did that start to change? You said at the beginning it was good. So when did you start to see the changes? Yeah, it started to change um, because he moved around. And this was the first time I like dated someone that like had a kid and stuff too. So that Mm -hmm. was also something for me to wrap my head around because I've never been with someone where you had to, Mm -hmm. like there's another party in the relationship. Right. 
you know? So it changed when he had to move to be a little closer to his family because okay. he had got a new job. And so I moved too. And just being in that new city was just completely different because I didn't have anyone in the city. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have any friends there that I knew, but I made friends because I'm always like find a community right. for myself because that's important to me. So that's where it changed. And I just noticed things like he was just becoming way like just mean to me. It wasn't enough with what I would do. Um, I was always being compared to like mm. exes and stuff. And now mm. that I've learned things, like there's a word for everything. Mm-hmm. And being in therapy has like <laughs> taught me that. Word for every, everything has a word. Like, so I learned about like triangulation. That was him putting like other women in yes. the relationship and comparing yes. and stuff. Uh-huh. And that played a part on my self-esteem because why is she so much greater? Like mm-hmm. if you go bring an ex in here in comparisons, I should be being better than that. Yeah. And he'll, he'll, people who triangulate, they use those women on purpose. Mm-hmm. They use them on purpose. Yes. And it made me like feel so small. Mm-hmm. And like you tried to prove yourself. Got to prove your worth. Yes. That's the purpose of triangulation. There's usually the person who triangulates, whether they're narcissistic, whether they're just gaslighters or they have any other mental disorders or anything like that. They'll bring in another person, enough comparison to break down your self-worth because mm-hmm. then you'll cling on to them and you'll start to need them to boost yourself up. Right. Proving that I'm good enough. I'm better than this person. They don't even have to actually be like, interactive like sexually interactive with women or anything like that it can just simply be just them bringing in women for conversation and stuff and you seeing the attention starts to go towards that person Mm -hmm. or the ongoing belittling you like you said condescending comparisons and stuff like that i can only imagine yeah it was very intense like and what was killing me like i had got a new therapist too Mm -hmm. and i was like i want to get out this relationship yes (laughs) like (laughs) Can you please help me? Because yeah. <laughs> why can't I leave? Like, I know it's bad. I had a journal because, like, my first therapist, she would always tell me, collect your data. Yeah. Collect your data. Because then you'll know, like, you have this data set of mm-hmm. all the things that you feel, the events that have happened. Mm-hmm. You will know, am I making myself feel this way? Or is this really how it is? Yes. yes. I had the data. Yeah. <laughs> I had the data from beginning to end. I saw the beautiful parts of the relationship from my journal. I saw the ugly parts. I saw the hideous parts. I saw the fun parts. But I still couldn't leave because I was so invested. I couldn't leave so much so that I knew we shouldn't have been living together. And I went ahead and moved in together. Was it all investment or was it because at that point your self-worth was relying on him? It was relying on him too. I feel like it was a mix of the two. And then I also, it was was those two things, my self-worth. And investment, and then also me just wanting to be chosen. Okay. And that was something I had to, that was a major key that I learned about myself from that relationship. I definitely feel like that was linked to that. Yeah. And that, exactly. I didn't feel like that was. And I know now that until I figure that out, mm-hmm. nothing else will like work. I will find myself right. in similar situations. It may not be as bad as that one. Right. I might not have somebody calling me out my name, mm-hmm. but. They won't be treating me how I know I should be treated. They're not going to treat me how I didn't see relationships work, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm willing to accept less. So learn that and I'm happy to have that information now because now I can move forward. Right. But yeah, that relationship was just very, very tumultuous and it became physically abusive. And like I've learned about the forms of abuse now. And I feel like I experienced a good bit of them. Like I experienced emotional abuse. And I remember I called it out. It was like, whatever, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I experienced physical abuse, emotional abuse, a little bit of financial abuse as well, because it started out this grand relationship where you take me out on all these dates and stuff. Like, I know times get tough. And like, I would help out too. Like, I would pay for dates. But it mm-hmm. became a point where, like, I felt like you were taking advantage of me. Right. Because he had a kid. I'm paying for dates that, like, this is family time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, you choosing mm. expensive family time moments on my dime. Mm. And, like, I'm accepting you and your kid because, like, I love your kid and I love you. So, like, what's mine could be yours. Not completely because you're not my husband. But, like, I'm not a selfish person. Like, even though I'm the only child, I'm not selfish. Let me ask you. the Because he was, obviously, he was in a relationship before you with uh, his child's mom? Like, years prior. So, this child was a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Did he ever talk about why that relationship didn't work out or why any of his relationships didn't work out? Yes. And in retrospect, it was always the woman's fault. And he now I victim. know. I was waiting. I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> and now I know okay. you have to pay attention because what yes. somebody says, history repeats itself. If it every single person, <laughs> if the problem is every single person. Yeah, more than likely the problem is you. More exactly, than likely. Exactly. Because why is it the same story? That's the biggest red flag. The it's biggest. When, it all, when it's always somebody else. Because I will be honest. I could have avoided a lot of the trauma that I had mm-hmm. had I just sat down and listened and took heed to what he was telling me. Yeah. Because he told me what he was going to do to me. How? Without telling me. Like, oh. he told me in his last relationship that, like, the girl, they got into a physical altercation, but she started it. Okay. Okay? Like, he was like, I, you know, she pushed me, I pushed her back. Okay. Okay, you telling me that. I'm thinking, you don't hit women. She hit you. You was mm-hmm. just defending yourself. Mm-hmm. No, Kayla. <laughs> no, he's oh, like he abuses women. You yes. know, like he will hit you too. Um, calling his ex girlfriends out their name and like That's cheating right on there. them and stuff. Like mm. if you've done it once, and I won't say that people can't redeem themselves from like cheating and stuff like that. But you, he told me everything to expect. So how can you cheat on somebody and then blame them? Yeah, I cheated, but they did this. This is the no. You can't justify that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, he told you. <laughs> he did. And I didn't he listen. Did. But now I listen. Yeah, I know. I know how I know. to sit down and pay attention now. <laughs> so, okay. So I'm I'm assuming that he became physical with you as well. Yeah. And it was like only one occasion where he became physical with me. But there were moments like leading up to it that I could, I would know. He could become physically abusive. Like one time we had like this heated argument. And that was a tell a telltale sign too, yeah. because like I've had other relationships. Mm-hmm. This was the most serious relationship I've had, mm-hmm. but I've had other adult relationships. And when we would argue, we would never like yell at each other. Yeah. Like it was about finding a solution mm. and not like you're wrong, I'm right. Like, cause no, like that doesn't help us move forward. But with him, he would yell. And I remember the first time he yelled, I started crying. It's like, what the F are you crying for? And I'm like, you're yelling at me. <laughs> like, I'm not mm-hmm. used to yelling at somebody that I'm choosing to love. Because mm-hmm. we don't have to be here, you know? Um, your, your mom didn't yell at you, I'm assuming. Like, not like just yelling at yelled, you like that. But not like... <laughs> <laughs> she yelled. Yeah, she yelled. But not just like... Not in a not in a means to break your character. Yeah, exactly. So you weren't used to that type of yelling. Yeah, it's like, okay. you're starting here. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are you starting here? Yeah. Um. So... It started like that, like raising the voice, calling me out my name. And then like, I remember one time we were like driving. He got upset with me and he started just driving real crazy. So like things like those are signs. That sounds like one of my exes. Yeah. Really? Like those are signs that people <laughs> don't know to truly pay attention yeah. to. Like Because it shows they can't regulate their anger. It shows how dysregulated they become. Eventually it will pop. It will. And the bubble popped. Yeah. And that was a very like heartbreaking moment for me. And it's something that I'm still healing from and accepting mm-hmm. that experience because like today I took a self-defense class mm-hmm. and like when we were in the class the instructor he was like giving us all these tips and stuff and then like mentioning like little things and I thought that I was over that mm-hmm. like for the most part but I'm in this self-defense class like holding back tears because yes. like I'm triggered you know and so it's good that you were triggered because now you can identify what else you need to work on true that's good that you were triggered. True. Because I thought I had moved past that, but it definitely triggered me. But I want to take that pain and turn it into purpose. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's one reason why I'm here today, too. It's like, so that women know these are some signs in men, like whoever, because you can be in a same-sex relationship or anything. Like, men yeah. can be abused, too. Mm-hmm. I want people to know. Yeah. So watch out for these signs and you don't have to take abuse. And like, if you are finding yourself in a situation where you're constantly questioning, should I be with this person? Mm-hmm. After you've taken your date, if you still can't leave, you need to start asking yourself, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it that I'm accepting and what does that say about me? Yep. Because then that'll help you probably figure it out a little bit better, a little mm-hmm. bit more. Because I finally did decide to drop the relationship after it got to a point, I'm like, Kayla, you do not deserve this. Mm-hmm. You don't talk to yourself like this. But the good thing about it is you also had help. You had somebody who can tell you, hey, this is how you're going to see it. 
when people won't go to therapy or they won't go for help, they won't see it. That blinder, those rose-colored glasses will still be on. But you had someone that can tell you, look, here, I need you to rationalize this. Don't rationalize the behavior. Let's rationalize everything else. We can't justify the behavior. You can't make excuses for what he's doing. How is this impacting you? How is it affecting you? Mm -hmm. Are you the one causing these problems? Is he having these blow-ups because of him or you? And those things like that, like it helps you look and say, okay, I can put this responsibility on me, but I can also put this responsibility on you. I didn't deserve for you to belittle me or call me out of my name. What triggered you to do that? Was it so bad that you had to call me out of my name and you realize this person's constantly attacking your character and every time they attack your character and you try hard to get them to see you in a more positive light or you fight for their acceptance, each time you're giving them more and more power and they know they have your self-worth it's right there in their hand and they just can play you like a little puppet. I can do everything. Plus, you went through triangulation as well. Was was he actually cheating with those women? Like, physical I never cheating? had, like, proof or anything, but I felt it. Right. Like, right. you know. We we know it's women. <laughs> yeah. We know. <laughs> yeah, like, I felt it. And, like, I will say, too, like, being in that situation and, like, being called out my name and stuff, it forced me outside of who I've known myself to be. Right. And so I started behaving in ways that I'm not used to. Like, you yelling at me, I'm yelling back now because you're not yep. going to keep yelling at me, bro. Yep. You call me on my mm-hmm. name, now you will be. Like, yep. <laughs> you know, and that's not who I want to be. Mm-hmm. And that's not who I've been. You were trying to regain a sense of power and control. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, you got to get out because you'll become somebody different. And now you got to work to be back to who, or not even be back because you can't go back. Yeah. You can only move forward to be better. Now you got to do a little extra work to be the person that you want to be. Mm-hmm. Now with just new information and experiences from life. Yeah. So... That was an experience that I had. And it sucks when you're trying to hurt the person the way that they hurt you. It sucks when you get to the point to where this is not me. I, I'm not I'm not a person who likes to make people feel the way they make me feel. But when you have to, when you absolutely have to, that's when you really got to look at yourself and say, is this really worth me staying here? Yeah. I am a monster just like you now. This is not even my character. And that calls shame. Yeah. That calls shame. That calls me to just feel like I didn't know myself. My self-esteem mm-hmm. was low mm-hmm. again. I didn't trust myself anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, so you can't trust things. your judgment when your worth is low. And that's the sad thing about it. Is he was, I don't want to say he was tactful, but it seems like he was. And I don't know if he knew that he was tactful. I would call it out. He's like, I'm not a, ma- you think I'm a master. I'm not a master manipulator. I'm like, it feels that way. Yeah, you, you are. <laughs> You, you may not want to agree, and but then I learned are. about like the hot term, like narcissist. I'm like narcissism was going around. Yes, I'm like you're a narcissist. He's like you're a narcissist, and I'm like, am I started googling like, am I a narcissist? Like maybe I the gaslighting, yes, the gaslighting yeah. was deep. It yes. was real. It was treacherous. Like, and he deflected. If you throw a term at him, he throws it back, and now you take the light off of him, and now it's like. Okay, let me let me check this. And you just it kind of frees them of owning up to what it is mm-hmm. that they've done. And it makes you look at yourself. And then you'll what happens what they do that because they know you'll justify their behaviors and you'll excuse their behaviors. Sure. If I make you look at yourself, even though I know for a fact I did something wrong, let me highlight something you've done wrong to offend me. Because now you're looking at yourself. And now, because you're looking at yourself, now you can humanize me and say, you know what? Okay. I did that too, so I understand. So I'm going to excuse this behavior. But they keep doing it. And the more you excuse it, the more you excuse it, the worse it gets. Because at this point, they know you're not going to leave. Yeah, this is easy. I still have my comfort where I'm at. I can get her to do whatever it is that I want. I don't have to change anything. And then I can do whatever I want because she's going to keep on excusing my behaviors. Mm -hmm. He knew he had you at that point. When you left, considering the nature of your relationship, were you scared to leave? No, because it had got so heated that I had no choice but to leave. Okay. So I wasn't scared. I was happy as hell mm-hmm. <laughs> to mm-hmm. leave. So happy. And like, this is how I knew it was time for me to leave and God wanted me to leave. Because as soon as I left that house and left that area and left that relationship, my life got so much better because I hated my job. Well, I didn't hate, like, I hated the work I was doing. Loved mm-hmm. the people I was working with. Loved the company. Just hated the work that I was doing because right. it just didn't fit who I am as a person. Right. And so as soon as I left, 
I got the call. I got the job that I wanted. Mm-hmm. I'm moving to Texas. Mm. Like, I'm into real estate. And I had been trying to buy a house in Florida because I was living in Florida for mm-hmm. the longest. And it just was not working out for whatever reason. Right. I moved to Texas. I can buy a house. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know. Um, well, every time someone says something about Texas, the first thing is I, I can a buy house. a house. It's like, that's what y'all think we we only good for houses around here? It's fertile it's ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Texas is fertile. I love it here. <laughs> it is. I can't knock it. And when people come, I'm like, okay, y'all, look, it's it's a lot of y'all coming now. We we know. We got a lot of land. Yeah. We got a lot of space, a lot of land. And it's important. It's like a lot of things here. And like, <laughs> black people seem to be doing well. We are doing well so out I here. I love that. <laughs> and so we hear different states. We like, oh, oh. You know, Texas, we're, <laughs> we're pretty good out here. I don't know about y'all, but we're okay. Right, yeah. <laughs> and it's more opportunities in Texas. A lot of people that I know move because of the opportunities mm-hmm. that Texas and presents. And no state, like the free, no state income tax, that's yeah. the sell it up. Like, why wouldn't <laughs> I want to live here? I can yeah. keep more of my money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like things just turned around for the greater good. And like, I was very hesitant Mm-hmm. about moving here because like after that relationship I went back home to Birmingham because mm-hmm. I needed a break I needed yeah. to be around the people who remind who me you. of who I yes. am at the core you know you wanted to get your identity back yes and those people were the ones who built who influenced your identity mm-hmm. when you were younger that, that exactly. home that's what home is Yes. And I love that I can always go back home. Mm-hmm. And I will not sit up here and lie and act like it was easy going back home. Of course. <laughs> so like, We all are prideful sometimes. Yeah. Look. And it was just like <laughs> difficult too because it's like, yes, I grew up here. So it's like, I'm trying not to revert right. like to child Kayla. You know yeah. what I mean? Like let my gaga like take care of me because my gaga was treating me so well. Wait, what's your gaga? That's my grandma. That's my mom's mom. So like that's oh, why I was living when I went back home. Yeah, I call her gaga. That is the cutest thing. I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah, that's my oh, gaga. And like, she's like, she called me apple of my of her eye. She like one of the loves of my life. Like, that's my girl. Aww. And so... My grandkids better speak just... Better speak that same way about me. I'm sure they will. <laughs> my name is going to be Nanny Ma. Nanny Ma? Yeah. I love that. I always say that's going to be Nanny Ma. That's don't be cute. Don't be taking my stuff, y'all. Whoever watching, Nanny that's Ma. my name. Okay. <laughs> they gonna love having like brunch and stuff at Nanny Ma's with the cousins. Yes. And that's what I want. I'm <laughs> so ready for that. Cute. No, I'm not. Mm-mm. You got some time. Mm. <laughs> I had to correct that because I don't need to speak that into existence. Lord, we'll talk about listens. this. <laughs> <He> listens. <laughs> Lord, we're gonna have that conversation later. I'm not quite ready. <laughs> in regards to <laughs> in regards to um, and I'm I'm just gonna highlight that relationship just one more time and then we'll move past that because I, I feel like what your transparency was absolutely beautiful when it came to that and you weren't afraid. Um, many people, when I talk, because I work with a lot of women, when I talk to women, I always tell them to measure out life satisfactory within a relationship. Most times they're not satisfied. Most times they're literally just settling. The quality of the relationship is low. Mm-hmm. Your satisfaction, your satisfactory levels, you're not pursuing your goals. You're not doing what you usually do. You're not hanging out with friends. You're not doing things for yourself. Your self-care routine has changed. You're not going out to the gym. All of that is altered. If all of that is altered with the person that you're in a relationship with, and you know that a lot of this is because maybe you've had to start chasing them more, or maybe you're arguing more, maybe your self-esteem is critical at this point, that right there is an indicator that it's time for you to start working your way outside of that relationship. You had therapy. It got big. It got explosive. Did he ever try to contact you again? Mm-mm. Really? Yeah. No. Oh, no wow. contact. And that's did a, you block him or stuff? Or did he really not try to contact you? I did block him, um, but I had unblocked him because I was looking for an apology. That's mm-hmm. like the early phase. Mm-hmm. But I don't need that anymore because, yeah. like, only you can give yourself closure. That's something you got to take up with course. yourself and God. Of course. So that's not really something I'm looking for. But, he, no, he hasn't tried to contact me. And, like, that's good because I'm good. We're good. Like, I don't hold any, like, ill feelings about that situation anymore. I'm just grateful that I was able to get out of that situation because a lot of people 
don't make it out. Did alive. it bother you at first that he didn't try to reach out? Yes, it bothered me because why wouldn't you want to like yeah. apologize or say anything and stuff? And like, even when I broke up with him, like I was looking for him to like be begging for me back and he didn't. That did bother my self-esteem a little oh, bit. So he was, he just accepted it for what it was. Mm-hmm. Do you think he wanted you to crawl back? Um, No, I think he was just good. Mm. It was good because I had nothing else to offer him or to give him. It was like, he told me that like, he thought I had more than what I had, but whatever that may mean. More than what you had? Oh, so he was a user? Yeah, very much so, but... It made sense about the, the dinners and stuff and all that. Kind of makes sense now. Yeah. So he knew that he could benefit off of you some type of way. Do you think that you being in a relationship with him, well, in the beginning, do you feel like you helped build anything about him? No, I feel like he was going to be who he was going to be, like, on his own. I feel like I probably helped him become a little bit more, like emotionally aware of mm-hmm. some things because I did notice some changes in like the way he communicate. Like he would be really great. He wasn't just all bad because I wouldn't stick around yeah, for yeah. just of course. terrible. You well, know? there's always goods. Yeah. And that's the problem is that we focus on the goods more than the bads. And that makes it convoluted. You don't know yep. what to trust and that's when you lose the gut feeling that you yep. trust. So I feel like he would be who he is because I met him with him on his journey to be better. Like mm-hmm. financially and career-wise stuff. And like he wasn't broken nothing like that. Yeah. But he was just missing some, like, core fundamental things emotionally and, like, just mental health, mental wellness. Mm-hmm. And, like, when I would try to speak up about those things, I would be met with, like, pushback. Mm-hmm. And, like, I learned about, like, attachment styles and stuff, too. Come on. And I feel like he was a bit of an avoidant. Um, so, like, whenever things would get intense or, like, get heavy. Yeah, it's like, you don't really want me to know you, and I'm, like, craving dying to know Mm -hmm. you because why do you act like this? Makes sense when you said selfish because avoidance are known to appear to be Mm self-centered, selfish, and self-absorbed. Yeah, and then I have, like, an anxious... I formed, like, an anxious attachment style Mm -hmm. in that relationship, and it makes sense, like, with my background and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like, anxious and avoidant attachment styles, they just... That's the normal dynamics. Though. Yeah, but they but clash. they go against each other. Yeah, They're polarized. Like you pick each other though. That's it's the like crazy I, part. The anxious one pursues, and then that avoidance, like I can't take all of that. And then the anxious one, well, I can't take you withdrawing away from me because mm-hmm. now it makes me want to pursue more. And then when the anxious person finally decides that, okay, I'm accept this. Now mm-hmm. the avoidant won't you back? Yeah, then the avoidant starts working because now they feel out of control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he would have been his person, but like that did bother me at first. But it doesn't bother me anymore because it's for the greater good. Yes. For all parties involved. And I still, like, wish him well and stuff. Like, even though I had that experience because it takes more energy holding on to those feelings. And that doesn't mean that I'm excusing what happened to me. Mm -hmm. Because I completely honor what happened to me. Like, it happened, but I can't stay there. Let me ask you a question. And it was two things that I noticed. Uh, here, when you were about to, you choked up, you were about to cry, you stopped yourself. And you said in your self-defense class, you were about to cry and you stopped yourself. Is that something you do now? No, I cry at home. Okay. But like, I, and I cry like my friends and stuff. Okay. Like, I just did okay. my makeup. I'm not trying to be crying <laughs> on camera. <laughs> like, I was in the self-defense class. I ain't trying to have everybody ask me, what's wrong with you? You know, okay. like, I, I just don't wanted to make sure it. that this no. is not something, this is I not a way. I feel the feels. There we go. Okay. Awesome. I feel them. I just don't stay there. I feel them, but I don't stay there. Like, good, even at my good, house, good. like, I have a whole room dedicated to, like, prayer and, like, yoga good, and mindfulness. Good. So, mm-hmm. like, I feel my feels. Whenever I feel away, let me go to that room. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to make sure that you weren't actually stopping that from taking place now because of what you've gone through. Mm-hmm. No, I feel it. If anything, I feel it, like, even more, like, I can be out with my friends, like, I'm sorry, I got to cry. Excuse me. I'm going to the bathroom mm-hmm. real quick. Because mm-hmm. it's better out than in. Why you apologize whenever you're about to cry? You said that even here. You're like, I'm sorry. What What you apologizing for that for? I, I guess because people get uncomfortable. And you can't control that. I know. But you apologize. I feel it because I feel like that, that anxious attachment is still kind of showing up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because anxious, preoccupied people apologize often. You didn't offend nobody. Your tears shouldn't offend anybody. If they make them uncomfortable, it make them uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm not apologizing. I'm just going to cry. You're just going to have to sit right there and be uncomfortable. But I'm going to cry. Mm-hmm. And then if you just uncomfortable with me, go for a walk. I can't do nothing about that, but I'm going to cry. No, I feel that. Don't, don't apologize for that. You ain't offending nobody. You're not offending nobody. I don't think it's actually worth an apology with that. That's you. That's who you are to the core. 
That's you being who you are authentically and people should receive that and learn how to respect it. Mm -hmm. For sure. Outside of the... <laughs> so thank you. Outside of a uh, self, the self defense uh, triggering you, have you identified anything else that triggers you? Like maybe seasons, time of year, smells, scents, sounds, mm. places, people, situations. People that would have triggered me, I removed from my life. Um, so triggering from that situation, no, just that and like. Pictures would trigger me, like, mm -hmm. from the time. So, like, I had to remove those photos from, like, my phone because I didn't want to have those emotions and stuff. And it really sucks because, like, like I said, I went on, like, vacations and stuff. But I just don't need that energy around me, like, because I don't want to find myself tormenting myself by going back to look at those things and, like, trying to feel some closeness to that part of my life mm -hmm. anymore, you know? So I would say... That's all that I've identified now. But, like, I'm sure there'll be some, like, probably five years from now, maybe I'll be somewhere and, like, something triggers me. Like, somebody say something or do something. Like, ooh, mm -hmm. you're making me feel something I felt before. You know, I, and I'm going to speak about this brief, okay? There was a, a guy that I dated before. He was extremely verbally, mentally, and emotionally abusive. And I do mean extremely. Mm -hmm. Never physical, but I do believe if I stayed with him long enough, it he would have probably become physical because he couldn't regulate himself. His anxiety and anger was so bad. But I remember for the longest, he used to withdraw his affection for me. And he used to tell me, it was one time where he told me specifically, I couldn't say I missed him. I couldn't say I loved him. Because if I said any of those things to him, he was not going to speak to me. And nice. he was serious about that. And I was at a low point when he said that. It was like, you know, I'm trying to build something with you. Why would you say that? And I realized that all the work that I had done, I was falling back into that same space of trying to prove myself to him. And for the longest, I was triggered for a while. Whenever I felt like, or if I was dating someone and I want to say, I miss you, his voice was always in the back of my head. And all the work I had done, it seemed like it was just thrown out the window. Had to do therapy all over again because it's like, this should not be affecting me the way that it is. And I had to get that out of my mind that it's okay. But he... Similar to yours, that self-worth was right there. Out of all the work that you had done before, you were high, confidence was high, and he did me the same way as yours did you. The constant breakdowns, name-calling, picking at you, being patronizing, condescending, it was the same thing. It's like, why? Mm -hmm. Why not just choose somebody that doesn't intimidate you then? Oh, he used to say that too. You're not even my type. Well, why are you with me? Right. You pursued me. <laughs> I didn't even get oh, my <laughs> Minding my black owned business. Yes. <laughs> so whenever I hear stories like this, it I love the fact that collectively as women, especially nowadays, there's so many resources like TikTok is doing a number, YouTube shorts, where women are seeing that it's not just me. Mm -hmm. There are other people going through this, men as well who are going through that. It's not just me. Like somebody else is going through this. I realize this is a human experience if they were capable of getting out of it. I'm capable of getting out of it too. That's why I love when people share testimonies like you did today because I guarantee there's going to be somebody watching who's like, I can get out of this. And you gave them some tools to use as well. I think when you talked about with the practice that your therapist told you, that was good. Somebody can use that and say, okay. And now they can make sense of it as well and saying that they're not alone. So I really do appreciate that. Yes, and then I got to say this part. Go ahead. With the part of, like, collecting your data, if you're not a person that, like, likes to write in a journal, mm -hmm. another part that I, like, another form of journaling that I like to do is record videos, only for myself. Yeah. So I can go back and see them if I'm, because sometimes it's hard to put pen to paper. It is. It can like, because that's there. Like, mm -hmm. the video's there, too, but, like, it's different when it's in your journal <laughs> because you have to go find a video unless you put in, like, its own separate <laughs> album. But if it's in the journal, I'm going to flip the page mm -hmm. and see that. That is a part of the story that is that's there, good. you know? That's good. So that's an option. And also, like, audio recording mm -hmm. is also an option to, like, collect your data. You don't have to, like, just put pen to paper. Mm -hmm. But it is good to document that. And even if it isn't, like, Negative. You shouldn't just document the negative stuff. Of like course. document everything. And I just feel like everybody should document their life too mm -hmm. because 
that's how we know about like the greats the and stuff the like mm-hmm. all the his, historic people had journals like we we got to get back <laughs> to the journals <laughs> they didn't have journals yeah like that's how we knew people and like what yeah. they went through in life and their experiences and how they were thinking how they built their lives and stuff like they had journals documenting stuff we got to get back to journals mm. that's a good point right there that's yeah. a good point <laughs> go get a journal are you proud of the growth that you've made so Good. proud. So, so Good. proud. Because it took work. Like, after that relationship, I moved back home to Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. I was there for, like, six months. And shout out to my job. I was able to take two months off mm. and get my mind right. I was in therapy weekly. I was doing yoga, Pilates, going hiking outside with my dog. I love my that. My dog was cooking me food. I, I was sleeping. <laughs> I was hanging out with cousins, my baby mm. cousins, my auntie, like granddad, like everybody, like my that. friends, just really getting loved yeah. and just charging my battery up. And then once those two months was over, I was able to hop back in, renewed and refreshed because had I not taken that time and I was just acting like I was okay after what I experienced, I would have been showing up to work terrible it would mm-hmm. reflect it on my performance. I could have potentially lost my job or something. Do you really want to deal with a lost job, <laughs> heartbreak, and trauma? Like, that's too much. And let's pick. Let's pick a focus. You know. So I was so grateful to take that time off, and I would advocate for anybody like take the time away from work. Like work will be there if you have a corporate job. Like that job will be there. They have these resources and tools. Utilize them. Utilize them. Utilize exactly. It. Some people be afraid to. <laughs> why are you scared? Don't give me no time because I'm using all of it. Exactly. I'm not giving you a reason why I'm using all of it. Exactly. That's <laughs> what it's there for. That's what you work for. You put in all your hard-earned, well, your hard-earned time, your hard hours, and everything else. You should be able to use whatever exactly. time and resources are there. Because the happier you are, the better you are, the better you can perform. The better they'll appreciate the work. There like, you go. Utilize your resources, whatever they may be. I love that. I'm grateful that you had that experience. I know that sometimes we look at negative experiences and people are like, why did I have to go through that? But on the other side of it, like you really connected with who you are. And I don't think you will even allow yourself to go back down that path. I think if it came mm. up, if you saw the first thing, like, so you said she did what? Mm. Okay. If somebody were to date you now, you'd probably be thinking all into that. Like, mm. Okay. Let's, let's be a little slow with this. Let's, really get to know who you are before I make any commitments here to see. And I think that right there is a strength in itself. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm super grateful for the experience. For all that it taught me and for where I got to go next, because I was questioning like, why? Why, 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 why? It's not the why, like, what is this teaching me? Like, what am I supposed to learn from this? Because getting stuck in the why did this happen to me is going to put you in a state of like victimhood for so Mm -hmm. long. It's like, Yes, acknowledge the fact that that was truly messed up what happened to you. But let's not get stuck there. Think about what you can do moving forward. What is it that you need right now? Figure out your needs and find a way to provide that to yourself. And once you get your needs met, then you can start thinking about the things that you want. Like, okay, I needed peace. I needed time. I need, you know, stability. Let me go find the ways to gain it. Now that I have that, I can start thinking about those extracurricular things. This makes me respect stable minds a little bit more, a lot oh, more, you. not even a little <laughs> bit more, a lot more because you need, sometimes you hear people talking, they haven't actually had experiences. It's all book and research that they're talking, but they haven't had experiences. They haven't been to therapy. They haven't gone through things and overcame those things and you've overcome what it is that you've actually gone through. So I see where there was the instability and then you created stability out of it because of what you've gone through. That makes you a beautiful advocate. Thank you. For that, and, for sure. And I feel like it's a lifelong journey. Like, we all still evolving, becoming, like, I thought I was stable before that happened. And it knocked me off my rocker a little bit. Right. But thank God I got tools. I knew where to go mm-hmm. to find that stability again. And now I need extra resources. Right. And I was able to find those. So I'm super grateful mm. for life. And God, in my experiences, like, I wouldn't take back anything that I've experienced in this life because it's part of my story. There we go. And had I not experienced mm-hmm. it, 
I wouldn't know what to watch out for now. Right. And I'll probably have that experience later on in life. So I'm happy to go ahead and get it out the way. Okay. <laughs> Look, it's out the way yeah. now. <laughs> we got the hard part. <laughs> it's time to start really enjoying life. Now. Right. You know, so I'm cool. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate this conversation from you. I really do. And I thank you for offering your time today. Thank you so much for the transparency because it's not always easy for people to be honest and transparent the way that you do. But your testimony is powerful. And you should be grateful that you have that testimony. For sure. Yes. Well, thank you again. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Talk To Me Kitty. I will see you all on the next one. Bye, babies. <laughs>